You're listening to Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Welcome back to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing. And I'm joined by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the brand Identity Theorist. And today in our Spotlight segment, we're really happy to have Dina Barre, who's the Chief Marketing Officer at StockX, which is the next generation of e-commerce for the next generation of consumer. And StockX emerged from the year stronger and larger than it entered after the pandemic, so it did very well, but a lot of its growth came from outside the country. And here to talk about what StockX is, what its growth strategy is, what its international strategy is, is this is Dina Bari. So thank you, Dina, for being with us, and hello. Hello, and thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit, before you got to StockX, what, what, how'd you get raised up the ranks to be the chief marketing officer? How did that work out? Well, um, as, many, as many of these stories uh, are, it was very much a case of um, building on experience, but also being fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time. Um, I had spent 15 years in consumer brand building, consumer marketing for disruptive e-commerce uh, and technology companies. So um, pretty intentionally had chosen various startups from subscription to marketplace, to straight, old, straight up e-commerce. Um, just I had chosen a number of different companies that helped me get deeper and deeper and, and more well-steeped in this idea of um, being natively digital, selling product directly to consumers enabled by technology, bringing brands and consumers together in disruptive ways, um, and all of it being under, you know, underpinned by data, data, and more data. So um, you know, have been, this is now my, I believe it's my fifth startup. Um, so somewhat addicted to this type of environment, uh, anytime, you know, various stages of company, you know, from very early stage, even pre-launch to scaled already with, um, tentacles in various global markets, but just poised and ready to grow as stack, stack X was when I came aboard as the first CMO. Mm. Yeah. So what I was reading is that the pandemic um, wasn't hard on StockX. You actually grew there. But well, before we go into your growth and what happened during the pandemic, can you just explain to us how StockX works? It's a marketplace, right? For secondhand goods. Is that what it is? Yeah. And tell us, tell us why it's so disruptive. Sure. Absolutely. So we are a marketplace or a platform even uh, for bringing together buyers and sellers who are interested in consuming and trading products of current culture. So the products that may come to mind first when you think of us are sneakers, but we sell many more other products, things like apparel, handbags, electronics, collectibles. We most recently launched art prints. Mm. It's really any product that sort of sits in the bullseye of current culture or the passion points that sort of define and obsess this next gen consumer. Mm. So um, because we're a marketplace, you know, we are, we don't take possession of product. We sit in the middle of every transaction to ensure that the products are authentic, that they are dead stock, which means that they're new. Mm -hmm. Um, Although people do think of us as a resale marketplace, every product Mm. 
is new um, in perfect condition. Wait, and we do I don't even understand sell some. That. So wait, that sounds like an oxymoron. So it's not secondhand. Huh. What, I, what no, I mean, well, secondhand, I guess, could be defined in multiple ways. So it's resale. Often, you know, our products are being resold, meaning they were brought to oh, market on another platform or through another channel, and then that individual who purchased say a snake, a pair of sneakers from retail is then reselling it. They haven't okay. worn it. They haven't used it. They have the box in perfect condition. So it's basically a new product, um, but it's just being sold by a seller who's an individual uh, or, or a professional okay. seller who's a small business. And so um, gotcha. we call that kind of product dead stock product. But increasingly, we're also selling um, primary retail, meaning products that have never been sold anywhere else. And they're being mm. debuted to consumers on the StockX platform, which is really exciting in an area of growth. So I want to I want to just really quickly, Barbara, because I think you asked the question. I'm still I want to get make sure I have clarity around the answer, because it seems it seems like anyone can create a marketplace. I, I want to get to why StockX is special. Like what is it? Is it the is it the segment? It's it's that younger generation and a deep understanding of their cultural sensitivities in various Retail products, like what exactly is is the secret sauce, if you will, behind? Yeah, uh, let, me just, let me add on to his question before you answer, because that was a similar question. I was going to take it from a different point of view, which is this notion that it was resellers. Was there a price play in this also? Was there something, you know, America's is talking about the popular culture part of it, but was part of it that you could go to StockX and get a better price? Was that part of the positioning okay. also? So, so the things that, let me try to, to hit everything and please remind me if I've missed something that you've asked. So, so first the differentiators, you know, I think some of the differentiators are mechanical um, and functional and some of them, the ones that we really um, are focused on today are emotional, right. And more about the positioning and and the space that we, we sort of consume in the consumer's heart and mind. So first the mechanical, you know, the business model, um, which is it's a live bid ask marketplace, almost like a stock market. The mechanics are, are like a stock market, right? The, mm. the prices are set and, and determined really by the balance or imbalance between supply and demand. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we sit in the middle of that transaction to ensure that every product is authentic. And mm. that is a really critical point, right? We don't take possession of, of inventory, but we do take hold of every product and, and uh, authenticate it and check mm. it uh, against the multi-point checklist to Holy ensure moment. that the buyer is getting what they think they're getting. And that de-risks a transaction. Um, that's interesting. About mar- tra- yeah, traditional marketplaces. You know, yeah, that's about a huge eBay, advantage. About even Amazon, exactly. right? You're looking at, at reviews, you're looking at photos. Um, and here, that's where interesting. you don't have I see. to reviews. So you I don't see. have a counterfeit problem. Like Amazon does have a counterfeit problem. Right. We, because we have process designed around space. and we also have systemic things like a single product page, right? Rather than if I'm a seller and I'm selling, selling a pair of shoes, I'm not photographing those shoes in my closet and uploading them. And you as a buyer are looking at that photo and saying, wow, that's a pretty poorly lit photograph. I can't really see the details. But how do I know that's actually the pair I'm going to receive? None of that legwork is involved. I see. If you're I a see. seller of a product, you mm-hmm. just create an ask and there's a single product page for you and every other seller of that product. So there's a consistency and reliability. 
and a degree of, um, you know, risk being removed from the transaction because we are standing in the middle. To us, interesting. A really quick question to build on what Barbara's saying because now it's becoming yeah. really interesting now. Because uh, I would think, not that it wasn't interesting before, <laughs> but because but, uh, I was I was struggling to see to see this difference, and the difference is huge. But talk a little bit about that because this authentic authentication process is it? It seems like it would be costly. And like, how do you scale that up? Is this an automated thing that, that you can do at scale, like the authenticity process around these various product domains? Because it, it seems like that would be a big source of costs that are yeah, associated with delivering the solution. If it the, wasn't, the all these other platforms would be doing it and they're not doing it. And they're not. Yeah, right. so talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, of course, there's costs associated with it. There's um, a deep knowledge base associated with it. It does become a moat for those two reasons. Um, and it is manual, largely, right? We are relying on manual. human authenticators to. Interesting. I mean, this is part of what makes it so yeah. um, so reliable, right? Our our, our pass rate of we, we catch over ninety nine point five percent of fakes. So and this is because That's we have great. this very rigorous, highly trained staff that knows what to look for. Um, that being said, we are looking at ways to leverage AI and technology to help support mm-hmm. and and where there can be. Um, technology, you know, applied to speed up the process or, or, or take costs out of the process. But we will always be reliant on these highly trained uh, humans. And it's a big part of, um, of the value proposition. Mm-hmm. And it also, you know, the word authenticity, aside from the mechanical piece that I just described, there's also the emotional piece, right, which speaks to America's what you were saying around being authentically connected to culture and to the mm-hmm. values and beliefs that our next gen consumer really stands for. And that too is, I believe, something that really sets us apart in our positioning and our marketing and our product experience. For sure. Yeah. Um, because we want not just to be a transactional platform, but also an emotional understood that empowers consumers to participate yeah. in a space that is so important to them interesting but i want to want to build on this sorry barbara this is so fascinating to me and then jump on jump jump in on this barbara the, the idea so are, are you saying that we don't want to we we are not going to allow ourselves to grow to a size that we cannot continue this authenticity authentication protocol uh, at the high at the highest at the the, right but there's ai but there's also other models barbara such as what if we got you know as you use the platform and you become a really highly regarded highly reliable seller could could you outsource could you crowdsource the authentication process to bring in like there's people in the network and the community and the tribe, the StockX tribe, who have reached a level of gamification and they are gurus now of this product. So they can help. You can recruit them to help you be a part of that authentication process. Or maybe that's something that you never that, that wouldn't be uh, doable or scalable uh, in the same way that Barbara's point about trying to bring in AI would be. What are your thoughts there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have so many thoughts on that. I think we are we are absolutely looking at ways to enroll, engage, empower our our sort of community, our power users to help us, um, you know, convey our message, we will not outsource authentication. So I would say it's sort of a um, yes, fair enough, no, but, you know, um, for example, I'll say, we'll we'll talk about Discord for a minute. You know, we just recently launched our brand server on Discord, 
where we've, we're looking at really interesting ways to engage a super user community on our behalf to help advocate and educate to newer users and explain the value proposition, explain how it works. But we are not going to outsource authentication, which is really at the center of our value proposition. Um, so as we're scaling, we're really designing the system to scale efficiently and also to hold true to these pillars like authentication that are, are really central to who we are and, and what so, we deliver. So in bringing customers. that, okay, so now you have authentic goods and do they buy them on your platform because they can't get them anywhere else or because right. they're so, at a better yeah. price? Yeah, you asked this question about price. So, so in the beginning, um, I think it really was about supply and demand imbalance, right? And scarcity and finding, you know, it's a platform and a model that works for any product where there's more demand than there is supply. Um, and you need access to that product and bringing it online sort of democratizes the ability levels of playing field for people to, who maybe didn't have access before. Uh, but what we're finding is that there's also great application for the platform and the model for products that are maybe less scarce. Um, you know, for example, models that, um, you know, might've been very popular in Europe that weren't released in the U.S. Or, so it's a different kind of scarcity. It doesn't mean that there's a price premium. It just means that you weren't the intended consumer and yet you want the product. And the only way for you to get it is to find it on a global platform like ours. Um, so scarcity is definitely a big piece of the flywheel um, and it creates that hype cycle with limited release products that's hard to get your hands on, drives the premiums and a lot of the storytelling uh, and the sex appeal around the model. But there are plenty of, you know, I like to say there's product for everybody on the platform, you know, even somebody who's maybe a little bit late to trend, you know, constrained mm -hmm. financially, isn't willing or able to pay top dollar, you can still find unique product that helps you express yourself. Or if you're in it for the business side of it, the economic opportunity, you can still find yeah. product where there's an opportunity to make money, even if it's not, you know, the most highly coveted thing that you're reading about in the media. Okay. Interesting. Between the lines, I got the answer to my price question, but I hear, I hear what but, you're saying. But, <laughs> so uh, let yeah. me introduce you. I'm Barbara Kahn, along with America's Reed, and this is Marketing Matters. We're joined today by Dina Bari, who's the Chief Marketing Officer at StockX. And StockX did very well during the pandemic, as I mentioned, but a lot of that growth, and I'm interested in what you were talking about here, came internationally. So... Was that always the design to go to the international market for growth or was that just a lucky happenstance? It was definitely by design. Uh, I think there was a quick realization in the early days of the company. So the company's just over five, five and a half years old. Um, I think in the early days, there was a, a recognition that, hey, this is going to work outside of the U.S., just like the, the founders realized that it was going to work beyond sneakers. And um, certainly I've been at the company for just about two years. And in that time frame, it's definitely been intentional. Um, and it probably even predated me by, you know, a year. So I would say for at least half the company's life, this desire to be global um, and provide this access and this level playing field to customers around the world has been a strategy and, an, and the expansion has been intentional. One of the things that, we learned during the pandemic, one of the many things we learned was that being global and having access to supply from around the world is a huge advantage when local retail is dislocated. Um, oh, you know, you have sense. cases where, for example, supply releases were being delayed in certain markets by the Nikes and Adidas 
spaces Absolutely. of the world. Um, and yet you could, so if you weren't able to get a certain silhouette or model in your home market, you might be able to get access to, um, you know, the you only release or um, a Tokyo based release that was sort of reminiscent of, or similar to what you had your eye on. So that truly global um, marketplace and the access to supply in uh, over 200 regions and territories was a huge differentiator and value proposition for this consumer. That's so interesting. Yeah, because interesting. a lot of what we're talking about during the pandemic is these supply chain challenges. So yeah. it's interesting mm -hmm. how that would help. Uh, so it really is about access on the platform to these products that you're, you really want to get. And can't get quick, qu quick question. Want to, quick question. Want to drop in on, cause this, I, I love this, this challenge because in some ways it's like, I'm on the website right now, looking at the fantastic presentation of the products. And I'm, I'm wondering your thoughts, Dina, on quality control, right? Because it sounds like the authentication process is a very serious, rigorous process, but talk us through the, the logic of the strategy. It's right. It, in the sense of that, you know, you have the, the marketing in your mind is what it's going to be like. But at the end of the day, someone else actually controls your brand in so far as, you know, trying to be a part of this transaction. Yes, you're in the middle to stop it if it's the wrong, not the right thing that they say. But I'm just wondering that process about how mm -hmm. to vet for quality, how to make sure that everyone on the platform are, are the highest, you know, quality users and, and sellers. Is there a process you have to like, you know, submit like a background report to the FBI. I'm just wondering, like, how do you, how do you, how do you get say America's is okay to be on our platform? Well, so it's it's a really interesting question because one of our differentiators, if you compare us to some of the other platforms or marketplaces out there, is that it's actually very easy to sell. Right, we don't have to apply to be a seller. You don't have to create a product page or a product listing, as we were discussing before. So you don't, you as a seller, don't have to create any assets. Um, why that's good for us is again it creates that consistency and and um, reliability in the in the marketing assets so to speak for whatever you're selling. Um, it also just encourages a lot of engagement on the platform. The um, the policy enforcement or the quality enforcement comes through in um, our expectations of behavior. Right, as a marketplace, you need everyone on both sides to behave well, and because if they don't, right, it sort of impacts the other side. So. You know, we have certain standards and expectations about, for example, if you're a seller, you have to ship your product to us for authentication within a certain number of days, um, or you get penalized. Um, in fact, we just rolled out, we're in, in the middle of rolling out a whole new um, seller policy program, which we just announced um, mid-month in July, um, to both incentivize and reward good seller behavior, not only because it's good for sellers, but also because it's good for buyers and everyone involved. Um, so one of the best ways for us to encourage that good behavior, again, is through policies and rewards, um, sort of the carrot on the stick, if you will. Um, and then, you know, again, that authentication, I can't stress enough how important that step is to be the ultimate um, quality assurance step in the middle. Because even if, if someone is adherent to our policies, they may not even know if they're shipping a product that doesn't fit our standards, right? That isn't dead stock, um, you know, authentic in the right packaging, et cetera. So sometimes the seller doesn't even know that they're um, violating and it really, it really does come to us to, to be that um, authority in the middle. 
Interesting. So, so when America said he went on the website, I went on the website and I went right to the handbags and I started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm shocked, Barbara. I'm shocked. Our various segments. <laughs> <laughs> you have an amazing assortment there, I got to say. Really beautiful stuff. Oh, thank you. Yeah, including, you know, you may see Telfar, which is one of our brands that Beyonce was recently seen wearing so that's what we what we mean when we talk about current culture this is a brand that wasn't on the radar you know 12 18 months ago and then through the pandemic um started to rise um sold out really quickly on their website it's a small black owned business black designer and um you know there was no product available anywhere and all of a sudden it started popping up on StockX, and it's quickly risen to be one of our top handbag sellers um, and then, you know, you have one of the most influential female celebrities in the, on the planet out there wearing it and, and boom, it's in the bullseye. So it's a great yeah. example of, of current culture. Well, yeah. absolutely. It's a very well-designed site. It's very easy to get lost. And I think I, I, the genius of this, Barbara, is this, the, is the presentation of the StockX brand through the consistent imagery that, that they've taken that away as you know, sellers in the heterogeneity and their ability to take good photographs or have good equipment, take all that away and then make it consistent and beautiful. And it presents a certain image in your mind that I think that when I'm looking at the website, Barbara, my, my price sensitivity kind of drops a little bit in the sense that like, I'm expecting something nice. I'm expecting to pay a little bit more. And then you surprise me with a discount. So it's some interesting things, interesting psychology aspects about this barber that's going on but with respect to when you think about resale you think about you know going into an environment that's not new but when you hit this it's like it's all new looking and it, it's great prices so it's like a little bit of a dissonance thing that's going on here as well yeah, I, but I think it it's is interesting new awesome yeah it is new yes it yes is new. it's not yes it's you have to understand exactly what it is so uh, to america's point about the the presentation of the website and everything you did something new with your logo you had a new yeah so what yeah, was that about actually yeah we just rebranded so um it was late q1 that we just unveiled a new look and feel and you know same name um because there's a lot of value and equity in the name StockX. um but we just updated to be more modern more mm. inclusive that was a big one to be really appealing to the female consumer um you know, the global consumer, maybe a consumer is not as comfortable in the stock market mechanics, which is where the brand was sort of born. Mm-hmm. Um, and also to be, bring in some more of this fashion and directional feeling um, that you guys were talking about. That was all intentional. So I'm glad it's, it's being picked up on um, <laughs> by this crew. Yeah. And really um, to give us more flexibility as we continue to go beyond where we began with sneakers and primarily male sneaker heads in the U.S., um, you know, as the business expands, we need the brand to flex and give us the space to do that uh, and to be relevant to lots of people uh, in lots of different ways. So we're really excited about this new updated look and feel, which we believe is really indicative of where we want to go with the business. Dina, thank you so much for joining us today. And so where can our listeners go to keep up with you and your product? Obviously, they can go to stockx.com and they can go right to the Chanel page like I did. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. You can download our app, StockX, in the App Store. 
Um, come to our website, StockX.com. Follow us on Instagram at StockX, um, also on LinkedIn under the StockX handle. Follow us everywhere and download the app and visit the web. Have us open on every screen that you've got um, because there's new product dropping every day and new nice. content dropping you know, multiple times a day. So lots of things to engage with on the StockX platform. Oh, that's exciting. Well, thank you very much. That's all we thank have time you. for today. A big thanks to Professor Americus Reed for being my co-host. We'd like to thank our audio engineer, Dion Simpkins and Chris Tooks and our producer, Dana Cash. We're here every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. We replay our show several times throughout the week. You can follow us on Twitter at SXM Marketing. And you can follow Business Radio at SXM Business for information about all our programming. Thank you for listening today. Till then, this is Marketing Matters. I'm Barbara Kahn here with America's Read, Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. When listening to Bruce Springsteen's channel. Welcome, Bruce Springsteen, to E Street Radio, your home away from home. Great to be here. E Street Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 20.